cut in corporate tax rates added about 8% to earnings growth in, in 2018. That is not going to happen again. So you basically take that out. So the slowdown might seem like a big slowdown in earnings in 2019, but it's really not as big as it seems. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, everyone. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial, and welcome to this edition of Market Signals Podcast. We're delighted to have you on. Today, I am on with my good friend and colleague, Jeff Bookbinder, our Senior Equity Strategist up in Boston. Hello, Jeff. Good to be with you today. How are you? I'm well. I hope you are. Absolutely. On today's call, we'd like to specifically talk about corporate profitability. Jeff Bookbinder, uh, regular listeners will know, is our earnings whisperer at LPL Financial. He's done a great job over the years, been with the firm over 15 years, and really has a, a great knowledge base of not only equities, but also corporate profitability that drives equities. So we're going to spend the brunt of the call on that. But I do want to emphasize, many of you have heard Ryan Dietrich and I speak about this in the past. You know, the market has rallied. We hit a low on Christmas Eve. The S&P technically did not slip into a bear market. The NASDAQ Composite and the Russell 2000 and a handful of sectors did, along with a bunch of global equity indices. But the S&P and the Dow did not. But nonetheless, I don't want to split hairs here. But we do want to point out that the market has responded impressively. We're up about 10%. But Jeff, wouldn't you characterize this as having been the easiest 10% of the recovery? Oh, absolutely. Uh Regular listeners know we do uh, follow the charts and uh, when all when all else fails, technical analysis. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe so. Fundamentals matter more, especially over the long term. But in the short term, if you look at the chart, we saw the potential for some resistance here uh, up in the twenty six hundred to twenty six fifty range uh, on the S and P. So we're we're into that range, and um, the next ten percent will be uh, a lot tougher. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I guess it was right around mid-December when you and I wrote that report talking about the triple bottom, which unfortunately we did not hold. Triple bottom would have been at 2600 to your point, 2620 or so. And the market did not hold that. So that's why we dropped like a rock over the ensuing handful of weeks. And why we say, good listeners, that the easy part is done is because when the market fell so quickly, there really was no base camp set up from 2600 to 2350 on the closing low for the S&P 500. So the climb back up was pretty easy, relatively easy, if you will. But also we need to be mindful of, as Jeff mentioned, 20 or 2650 can be characterized as resistance for the S&P 500. Periods of previous market turmoil will tell you that what had once been support quickly becomes resistance. And while 2600 had been support for so long, 2600 to 2650 right now is resistance for the S&P 500. So that's something we have to be mindful of. We do believe we can chug through that resistance. It's not just a technical move. I think at this point, the move higher needs to be accompanied by clarity on several areas. Uh, it appears we're getting good signals from the Federal Reserve. It does not appear they were going to be as aggressive as originally feared. We've been uh, talking about that quite a bit. In fact, Jeff, you were at the uh, presentation last October that kind of started off a lot of the concern when, when Jerome Powell uh, gave a mixed message on interest rates. What Do you, you want to comment on that? Yeah, sure. He, um, I'm sure, would admit that he made a mistake in saying that rates were a long way from neutral. So he's walked that back with help from his friends, <laughs> not just uh, current uh, Fed governors, but also former Fed chairs uh, that he did the event with. 
not long ago, and, and now um, is seemingly communicating effectively that the Fed will be much more flexible. That's really what the market wanted, and it looks like it's unlikely that we'll get a hike here in March, and um, we may not even get one at the meeting after that. Absolutely. So I think clarity on interest rates will be a, a really important for investors to keep in mind. But I also want everyone to think about, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of speculation that the Fed could actually cut in 2019. And we don't believe that's the case. The, the Fed has a lot of tools at their disposal. They can imply a pause. Then they can pause. Uh, they can imply a reduction in the amount of assets being sold off their balance sheet. And then they can enact fewer securities rolling off their balance sheet. So there there are several steps before a rate cut would occur, and we just don't think the fundamentals would support that. And consequently, pause or close to being done should be sufficient for investors. But not only will the Fed be important in market interest rates, but we think it's important to get clarity on trade as well. It appears that chief negotiator from China will be in D.C. on January 30th. Uh, to begin negotiations. Legislators in China have also are fast-tracking legislation to end forced technology transfers, as well as uh, protecting security uh, in intellectual property. So I th we think those are positive developments. So you get a combination of path to progress on China, clarity on interest rates, and then what we believe the most important driver of equities is corporate profits, Jeff. And corporate profit season has already begun for the fourth quarter. And why don't you give us a little review of what's occurred thus far? Yeah, sure, John. Um, mixed start uh, for sure, but uh, it really hasn't dampened our optimism. It's really early, just a handful of companies, and most of them have been uh, financials. So uh, truly to, uh, to call it a disappointment. But we've had um, a little bit of a slow start in financials. Um, we still think we'll get, you know, mid to maybe even mid to high teens growth for the quarter uh, when all the numbers are in. Uh, but we have had a, a little bit of a miss on the financials. It was a very difficult quarter for the uh, the big investment banks, the big money center banks that have fixed income trading. I mean, just think back, John, to what what the markets were dealing with in Q4. <laughs> I mean, that was. You know, we get first worst December since 1931 for the stock market. Uh, I can't so we unsee it. We know we've got some weakness in the credit markets too. That was a tough environment for the big banks and the big brokerage firms that are trading these securities every day to to navigate. And so, um, a little bit of weakness is no surprise, but that is uh, weighing on the overall numbers, and it's probably going to take uh, another um, week or two of results before we can call this an upside surprise. But what's curious about the financials, Jeff, maybe you could uh, elaborate a little more. Obviously, the big money center banks, if you will, got hit on trading and stuff like that in the quarter. But the bread and butter, the lending business, held up relatively well, didn't it? It, it did. Yeah, there's the upside surprise so far. Lending has been pretty strong. And you know, we often talk about net interest margins mm -hmm. uh, for banks. It's, it's basically a profit margin on a loan, but, you know, the difference between what it costs the bank to get the funds uh, and the, the lending rate, you know, the rate at which their customers borrow from them. And that, that actually has um, improved here recently, even though, you know, you read the papers, you see everybody talking about a flat yield curve or nervous about inversion. Um, it's the environment for banks in terms of the uh, yield curve has actually uh, gotten a little bit better. And that was frankly a surprise to me. And then maybe an, another surprise, positive surprise, is that uh, lending activity was pretty good. So maybe some companies are moving away from the brokerage firms, you know, away from the capital markets, 
and just borrowing old school from the banks. Benefit of a diversified business model, right? You know, you talk about that net interest margin, and I think that's really key, right? The bank, the traditional bank model is to borrow short, lend long. This goes back to the Fed and to the degree that Fed Chair Powell has been discussing the possibility of pausing, or that's what's been implied at least. But he's outright stated that balance sheet reduction will still continue. So for our listeners who don't pay too much attention to that, like you and I do every day, balance sheet reduction, letting assets on their balance sheet mature or outright sold, and consequently that drives up market interest rates. That drives up longer-term interest rates because the Federal Reserve is in charge of the overnight lending rate. Jeff, you and I and all our listeners out there and all investors out there are to help determine market interest rates. So as the Fed allows assets to roll off its balance sheet and the Fed is no longer supporting or backstopping U.S. Treasury auctions, those two factors have an upward bias for market interest rates. So to the degree that in and of itself, or those two things in and of themselves, causes the yield curve to steepen, the the difference between two-year treasuries and the 10-year treasury, consequently that also can bode well for net interest margins, can it, Jeff? Oh, yes, absolutely. The lift on the short end of the curve has helped because a lot of these banks and brokerage firms have a bunch of cash sitting on their balance sheet that's been earning nothing, and now it's earning more, and that's great, you know, 2 2.5% in many cases. But then if you get on top of that higher longer-term interest rates, like the 10-year treasury yield that everybody talks about, that can add uh, to lending profitability uh, as well. So the environment's been very tricky for a lot of reasons. Certainly the yield curve is one of those reasons, but uh, we think that uh, prospects are brightening for the uh, financial sector here going forward. And I think, you know, even though, again, the high-level numbers uh, for Q4 aren't great, uh, I think uh, what we've heard uh, from all these uh, institutions suggests that things are going to get better from here. Sure. And if we look at it, maybe call it 10 to 12 percent range for fourth quarter profitability, and I guess we've been tracking three or 400 base points above expectations for the last six quarters or so. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that's that's correct. We, you know, there are uh, several different sources of data that are a little bit different, but, um, you know, Thompson's at 14 percent and fact sets at around 12. Okay. But the upside has been, you know, in the neighbor, neighborhood of three to five percent each quarter. So um, that should put us in the mid-teens when all is said and done. But there are at the same time risks here, John, that I mean, we all know about, you mentioned up front, but trade and slowing growth in China, Europe, certainly the economy there is weakening, not just the UK, but Europe broadly. It's probably going to be a little bit tougher to generate that big upside that we've been used to over the last um, several quarters. That's right. Since S&P companies derive upwards of 40%, 38% of their profits from international sources. So it's something we have to be mindful of. We talked about financials. It's, it's remarkable across the board. Communication services, industrials, everybody's printing about 10% earnings growth this quarter or a little more. But the outlier, once again, Jeff, is energy. And energy continues to deliver what looks like it'll be about 70% earnings growth this quarter, but the stocks just haven't reacted. Why is that? Yeah. Um, well, one of the if reasons... you knew you'd be a rich oil, man, right? <laughs> as we know, collapsed late last year, and uh, the market, of course, priced that in. So even though you've got these big earnings gains in Q4, that's kind of yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. And what really matters is is uh, 2019. You know, 2019 estimates had to come down quite a bit because 
you know, oil effectively went from 70 to 42 late last year, and it, it was in a pretty short period of time. You know, energy projects are are really long-term projects, and when uh, big capital to commit, right? And so when oil is moving around like that, it's really I mean, certainly hard for companies to commit and start drilling more or pumping more or however mm-hmm. they're getting it. So the, the market has reacted to that. Although energy's performed well, the stocks have performed well this year, had a difficult Q4. Estimates have come down quite a bit uh, for 2019. Energy stocks tend to follow the price of oil much more than they tend to follow uh, earnings. Good so point, there's, good there's point. A little bit of a disconnect. And from an economy standpoint, you know, it's interesting. You never want to say it's different this time, right? But it, it is different this time now that the U.S. is the world's largest energy producer and also the largest swing producer. So the whole idea that lower ga- lower oil prices would result in lower gasoline prices, that bodes well for the consumer, right, because there's more money to spend. But to the degree that capital expenditures are so dependent on energy-related investment, that also could impact negative uh, economic growth negatively. So we have to be very mindful of all those things. So looks like fourth quarter earnings will be a good number. The 2019 numbers get a little more challenging simply because comparisons were so uh, are going to be so difficult. So, w- what's your outlook for 2019, Jeff? Yeah, it's um, this big slowdown has gotten a lot of attention. Uh, we're looking at about six, seven percent earnings growth next year. That's in line with consensus. But if you go back just two, three months ago, those expectations were were north of 10 percent. So we've seen a a big drop in earnings growth expectations from from analysts. And that's alarmed some people. If you, know, if you take a step back, it's actually pretty normal. On average, you get several percentage points in, in uh, estimate cuts every quarter anyway. We only got a percent or two more than the average. And certainly, the whole trade tariff situation with China makes this environment unusual. That's a, certainly one of the reasons we've had estimates uh, cut as they have been, because tariffs company profit margins, but you also had the big revenue warning from Apple, which um, I mean certainly caused Apple's estimates to be reduced, but it also had a uh, spillover effect. You know, estimates have fallen, but if you if you look at the you know the reasons it hasn't fallen, they haven't fallen more than they normally fall. I think it's pretty easy to get comfortable with. Uh, an estimate in the sort of mid-single-digit range for 2019. Yeah, you wrote beautifully a couple of weeks ago about a bear market discount without a recession for equities, and I think that's really important for investors to keep in mind because, you know, we'll close with this comment or a few thoughts that, you know, the, the public discourse is that earnings are falling, and we want to make sure our listeners and all our investors understand that the rate of acceleration in corporate profitability is slowing, but we are still looking at record profits from 2018 growing at historically average rates or potentially slightly above historically average rates in 2019, yet we're discounting record profits growing at historical averages. We're discounting those at below average interest rates, which enhances not only the present but future value of that earning stream. And we still believe, in spite of all the technical damage the market has has endured the past month or so, we still believe in an environment where inflation is two, two and a half percent, and uh, a Fed appears accommodative or at least pausing going forward, uh, we can get earnings for the S&P 500 in the $172, $172.50 range. And with two and a half percent type inflation 
top line number, we think we could trade about a 17 and a half price to earnings ratio on the market on that 172. And that gets us to fairly value the market S&P 500 right around that 3000 level. So I know that might seem like quite a stretch now given all the markets endured. And we recognize that is a challenge, but get through this technical resistance, get clarity on China, clarity on the Fed, degree of profitability, moving forward, then we think, uh, while we don't believe it'll be a straight line, we think we can chip chip a little higher as the year progresses. So, Jeff, any closing thoughts? One more point on earnings uh, to close, John. Um, remember that the tax boost from 2018 uh, comes out of the numbers in 2019. You alluded to this, John, when you said uh, tougher comparisons. So, you know, the cut in corporate tax rates added about 8% to earnings growth in, in 2018. Um, that is not going to happen again. So you basically take that out. Um, So the slowdown might seem like a big slowdown in earnings uh, in 2019, but it's really not as big as it seems because you take that corporate tax cut out as an anniversary. And by the way, there are other benefits to the tax cuts and the the whole tax reform package from December 2017 that are also not recurring in the same way. Uh, So some estimates suggest maybe 13, 14 percentage points are coming out, probably split the difference. Maybe it's 10 to 12, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's a lot coming out and it's just accounting. So don't get too nervous about the slowdown. Sure. Great point. Thank you for bringing that up. And to close, it's always about earnings and income compounded annually to enable long-term investors to achieve their investment goals. While unfortunately, earnings and income compounded annually won't sell advertising space, it will help you achieve your long-term goals. So I ask all our investors to please keep that in mind, all our listeners to keep that in mind. And Jeff, I want to thank you very much. We'll look forward to being on the next Market Signals podcast for LPL Financial uh, over the next week or so. Thank you all so much. Take care. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. For additional description and disclosures, please see the Full Outlook 2019 publication. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPO Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.